Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the increasing power of teamwork, leadership, and culture, what I like to call the TLC of business. Hi, I'm Greg Gregory, your host and founder of the Teamwork Advantage, where each week we bring you guests to help us out in each one of those particular areas, sometimes in a combination of those areas, and all about how we can help you become a better person, to become a better team member, a better leader, provide a better culture, whether it's in your family or in your business. Today, we're fortunate to have with us Leanne Beekler and Leanne, Luann, I am sorry, Luann, Luann Beekler. Uh, and Luann's coming to us from Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, just a very fascinating background uh, in a lot of what she has done. So just allow me to read a little bit here. Uh, she's passionate, and that's going to be our key word today is passion about everything she does. Luann uses her unique personality and experiences to relate to audiences in delivering passionate presentations that inspire people to achieve success they desire in business as well as in life. As a certified facilitator of the passion test, Luann shares with audiences a simple yet very powerful system to determine your true passions and set a course for living your life's destiny. She's also a director for BNI, that is Business Network International, a networking group for professionals across the country. Luann has built a repertoire of presentations on networking skills and relationship marketing, which she uniquely relates to delivering high quality customer service. And let's face it, folks, everything we do is about customer service, even within our families. Luann is also part of the Transformation Leadership Council uh, working team, an organization that was created by Jack Canfield, the best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Soul series, where transformational leaders share their best practices and co-create humanitarian projects to change the world. She's got a diverse background, hospitality, customer service, leadership, and passion. Luann Beekler, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate that. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. You and I have been chatting a little bit offline here and just learning a little bit about each other. And you had a little stint here in Baltimore working with the hospitality industry. Of course, I'm based out of Annapolis. But if we can just kind of back up a little bit here with a diverse background with BNI, hospitality, customer service, leadership, passion. How did you get there? Take, take us back a number of years to what got you to where you are and how, how you got through that, that hurdle to figure out, my expression is, what you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, it's been a journey. And I love to tell this story. So thanks for asking the question. Because mm -hmm. I remember sitting on the kitchen floor filling out college applications. And my dad looked at me and he said, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? It might help you pick a college. And I kind of was dumbfounded. I was like, what do you mean? Like he was a teacher all his life. I'm supposed to be a teacher like you, dad. But dad said, no, go do something else. Now, this is how people who love us give us advice based on their life experiences rather than what we might be passionate about. And so I don't know that I was passionate about teaching and that I acknowledged that then 
I was following my father's footsteps. That's what you were supposed to do back then, right? Yes, yes it was. My I, 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 I did the same thing. Right? And he raised seven children on a teacher's salary, and my mother was a homemaker. So what he really was saying is, there's not enough money in teaching. Go do something else. I want your life to be easier than mine. And so I set out to go do something else. And I happened to be dating a young man whose father was the president of the Kaler Corporation of Hotels out of Rochester, Minnesota. I knew I could get a little scholarship if I went into the hotel school. So I got a scholarship from my company that I was working for, the Kaler Corporation, and went to hotel school, hotel and restaurant management. Now, I'm a very social person. (laughs) So being in the hospitality industry was excellent for me. But then I remember about my junior year of college, um, my future father-in-law, who he became, came to do a lecture at our school about the hotel business. And I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn the hotel business, and then I'm going to go teach it. Forgot all about that thought that passed my mind and went down the path that they encouraged you to do, that I was going to be the general manager of a hotel. Well, guess what? I'm also a woman and I wanted to have a family and a 24-7 operation like a hotel is not a great place. Not conducive. Yeah, not good. But I did that for a while until I did become a mother. And then at that time, I was working at a hotel back here in Rochester, Minnesota, and uh, had decided to set my sights on becoming a meeting planner for the Mayo Clinic. They were all my clients. I was in the sales and catering department And the Mayo Clinic meeting planners were all my clients. And what I could see is they worked nine to five, but they got to travel. (laughs) They got to travel and do events and do all the things I was doing from the other side of the table in event management. Mm -hmm. And I always knew at least a year in advance in that position when I needed to travel so I could accommodate coverage for my children. So it took me five interviews at the Mayo Clinic before they saw that my hospitality background would serve them in their meeting planning division. And then I worked in their meeting planning division. I loved it for eight years. Somewhere in there, I ended up becoming a supervisor. And pretty soon they took all the meetings away from me. And all I was doing was supervising other people that were doing them. And I began to hate my job. And I didn't like it. I wasn't having the fun I had been having as the event planner. Mm -hmm. So there was nowhere to move up in Mayo Clinic, but into administration. I didn't want to be there. So I just made a decision I was going to leave. Okay. And so I left. And when I left, I had no idea what I was going to do next. Uh, I took the summer off and decompressed from the uh, stress and anxiety of that particular position. And it was during that summer that my father got sick and passed away. So I was blessed to be unemployed, to be on that journey with him. I'll be Mm -hmm. forever blessed by that. And I didn't know it at the time. uh, I took the very very next job I could because now I needed a paycheck again, right? And I got into a travel agency where I was going to be a meeting planner again. And then that position led me to a little organization called B&I. Business Network International. And their philosophy of giver's gain are the only two words they had to say to me. And I'm like, I'm in. I want to live like that. I want to give generously to other people. And that means I get to gain in return as well. How cool is that? That just feels good. 
Yeah. And if you live by that philosophy, those of you out there, you know, you get it. It's, it feels so good to be helping other people. Right. It's like we were talking, you know, one of my favorite examples in life is if you're here to get a lead for business, you might get a couple, but if you're here to give, you will reap, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the beauty part of it. You've got to give in order to receive. Sure. So after that, I decided, okay, I'm going to stick around in this organization because I really love it and their philosophies. And I went, how do I become a director? What do directors in BNI get to do? They get to teach. <laughs> they teach other people how to apply the BNI system and make it work for them in their business. And so I do workshops and trainings for BNI. And I love it. And I was doing a good job. And my executive director said, hey, Dr. Meisner's coming to town, Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI. He's coming to town and I need somebody to pick him up at the airport and make sure he gets to the location and et cetera, et cetera, right? Sort of play hostess. She said, would you like to do that? You'd like to meet him, wouldn't you? I'm like, <laughs> sure. So I got to meet Ivan Meisner personally and take care of him while he was here in Minnesota. And you know what happened is we did a one-to-one. We had about an hour to kill before he needed to be at the first event. And I took him to his hotel, said, check in, do what you need to do, do some work and, you know, come back down in about an hour. He goes, well, what are you going to do? He's like, I said, I'll just wait for you in the lounge. And he's like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And we did a one-to-one and he asked me all about my business and my aspirations. And we got to know each other about 18 months after that, he called me up. I met him once. He lives his philosophy. He remembered me and he called me up and he said, Luann, I think I have a referral for you. I'm like, okay. He goes, remember the organization I told you I'm part of called the Transformational Leadership Council? It's started by Jack Canfield, as was mentioned in my bio. He said, they're looking for more event planners on their team. Would you like that interview? And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, they're kind of woo-woo, Luann. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in. Both feet, sign me up. I had took that interview and became one of their event planners 14 years ago. Wow. And what that meant was I get to be at all of their events. They have two conferences a year. And I started to absorb all the transformational messages just from being in the meeting room with them every day for those conferences. Right. And Believe it or not, osmosis does work. <laughs> It does. I mean, I totally absorbed energy. We only believe in energy, right? Mm -hmm. We're all energy. And I would come home on a high energetic high from that experience. And I could tell about three months afterwards, I started to lose some of that energy. And I couldn't wait till we met again because we meet every six months. You mm -hmm. know, then I decided I needed to learn to sustain that myself. Um, and what they do at the Transformational Leadership Council is they're very giving I think Dr. Meisner taught them that. And so they write a book or they put out a new seminar series or what have you. They say, here, here's the message. Help me spread it in the world. So all these books behind me are mostly from my transformational leadership council friends. But the one I adopted for myself was the passion test. Janet Bray Atwood and Chris Atwood are the authors of the passion test. The fashion and fest? The passion test. The passion test. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's where this is coming from. Okay. So that's how I met Janet and Chris Atwood because I became a member of the Transformational Leadership Council and I adopted their book um, and their philosophy and they have trained me in that work. 
And that is really the foundation of everything I do in the world is the passion test. And so really the story I've just told you, we call it the butterfly effect of who connected you to the next person, to the next person, to the next person to get where you are today. Yeah. And that is my butterfly effect story. Yeah. And now I teach others the passion test, which is also teaching. It yeah. wasn't really until about five years ago that a feng shui master was reading my signs and what have you. And she said, well, the first thing I know about you is you're a teacher. And I'm like, I am, aren't I? I don't teach in school like my dad did, but I am a teacher. Yeah. And a teacher in business and leadership and culture, just all the things you talk about, Greg. Right. So let's talk a little bit. That's fascinating how you get there. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's so often people tell us their story about where they are now and maybe back one or two generations. I like to go all the way back and thank you for doing that because that tells us how little things can happen and you never know when the happenstance of meeting someone can do something for you. Uh, and not necessarily directly either. It's something indirectly that could always drive that. So you're passionate, pun intended, about the passion test. So tell us a little bit about it. For those that are not familiar with the passion test, can you give us a little synopsis of what the passion test is? Absolutely. Because it's not well, really a test. It's not a test. It's a philosophy. It's a process. It's a way of life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to live that way of life. So that's why I adopted it to teach others. Because when I teach others, I do it more strongly myself. Same with the BNI philosophy, right? When I'm teaching others, I have to live and breathe it myself. And that's what I wanted when I found the passion tests. Right. So I started in it so that I could be living it every day. But <laughs> it goes I back to um, when I was in college, I actually had a, uh, a teaching assistant ask me to uh, be a tutor. And I looked at him and said, me? I, I was always in the part of class that made the upper half possible. Why do you want me? He said, because you grasp this. And he was right. And you're absolutely right. When I started tutoring it, I had to live it better. So I ended up going from a B in the class to a solid A. Nice. So I got lucky because I happened to be at the right place. So you're teaching this. So tell us a little bit about the passion test. So I always like to compare it to something that I think more people are aware of called the strength finder. Are you familiar, Greg? Yes. Right. So the strength finder is a test that you go online and you take a test on a Likert scale of, do I like the situation or not? And then it spits out your top five strengths. I don't profess to understand scientifically how that test works behind the scenes. All I know is when I did my strength finder, I went, oh my gosh, that is totally who I am. I mean, my number one strength is woo. <laughs> I think you can see it even on the camera that I carry the woo factor, which really stands for winning others over. Anyway, lots of people know about that. And that finds your top five strengths. And I call that the scientific methodology at getting at who God designed you to be. The passion test is the heart and soul methodology of getting at who you were designed to be. And we help you to identify your top five passions. And when you put your top five passions together with your top five strengths, it's a powerhouse of knowledge of just who you were designed to be as a human being, giving your gift to this, to the world and step fully into that and live your authentic self is what I want for people. Okay. So 
who is a good person to take a passion test or get Anyone. involved with it? So is there, is there a type of job? Is there a type of person? Is there, what, what, how does it work? Any person who is struggling to find their place in the world, to feel confident in their body, in themselves, in their job. Um, anyone who's in transition often. Um, Greg, you shared with me, you've had a major life transitions in the last couple of years. And mm -hmm. at that point in time, we're often a little lost and feeling like, gosh, I didn't expect to find myself here alone. And what do I do next? And perhaps it's time to relook at your passions. Where am I going from here? And see, the passion test, we say you never take it just once and never again. Again, it's not a test. It's a process, it's a process. that I facilitate people through to identify their top five passions. And I do it annually to continually sharpen and inquiry of my personality and where am I at? Because we evolve and we grow and we change and life things happen that completely shift our lives. You know, I have been a caregiver for my mother for the past five years and lost her this summer. And it was like, whoa, the world has completely changed. Now what? Do it again. Read sort of a so <laughs> reset button. Let me ask you then, you, you take it every year. And obviously, whenever there's a major transition in life, things are going to change a little bit. I get that. Beyond that, what have you noticed in your transformation over the years? I mean, does it go like this, go back and forth? Does it go down one path and keep going down that? Tell us a little bit about in your experience, because you can't speak for anybody else because it's totally different. And I get that. But for yourself, what have you noticed? So we say clarity is power. And so I call it a journey of gaining clarity, right? And so over the years, I've been doing this work for over 10 years now, and my passions now come out very consistently, right? So over that time, I've written them with more clarity and understanding. And so they rarely change. Even Janet Atwood said, sometimes five, five, uh, four and five will shift or, you know, what was six might come back up to five and it might jump around a little bit, but what you mm -hmm. find is you get really better at articulating what those passions mean to you. And then they start to narrow in and be really clear and focused. And then you can be confident okay. that you're on your right track, you know? So one of my passions, my personal passions is family, right? Well, really what my passion is phrased as is when my life is ideal, I am in loving, supportive relationships. So that's the passion. Then we identify what does it look like to be in loving, supportive relationships. And then there's descriptors of each of those relationships. What does my relationship look like with my husband, with my family, with my children? And I describe those in short phrases as to what that means to me. So then we say that um, whenever you're faced with a choice, a decision, or an opportunity, consistently choose in favor of your passions. So being that my relationships are number one to me, when my mother needed me, mm -hmm. my business got set aside. Like, I'm not going to focus on growth, rebranding, any of those important things that I had on my mind to do. I had to make her a priority. Right. And it's, right. So it's a very simple tool to help you make very effective decisions. That's why we say simple yet powerful. Because 
unfortunately, we get lost in the monkey mind and, oh, I need to be uh, doing my own podcast and as famous as Greg is. And then I struggle that I'm not doing it because I'm taking care of my mom. And, oh, I'm a failure because I don't look like Greg and I don't do it. Greg's doing all this viciousness, right, in our heads, tearing ourselves apart internally. And what the passion test and identifying your passions helps you to do is be at peace and confidence in what is most important to me and choosing in favor of those things and setting aside that other competition, if you will, right. and that comparison to other people and just be who I was yeah, meant to be. Big. Yeah, that's big. We should never compare ourselves to other people. We should only compare ourselves to what we have most recently done Yeah, and go from there. I'm going to ask a very simple question that will have a very complex answer. <laughs> Why is this important? Because you want to live life in joy and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And this allows us to see that joy and fulfillment now, not on our deathbed. Now in mm -hmm. every day and every moment, it helps us to own that. What I know about human beings is we are terrible receivers, right? And so we just keep going like the Energizer Bunny and we forget about what we've accomplished, what we do, how we give in the world, because we're always off to the next goal. And when we can own that joy in the moment and that feeling of fulfillment in the moment, then my, my line is this, when you get connected to your life's flow, everything comes easier. And it's just that it flows easier and you have less stress and anxiety because you are walking in a place of confidence of this is what is most important to me in my heart and soul. And so I'm going to choose that and stay in that zone. And even if I have to get off track, like my brother had a stroke eight years ago. And right. for a couple of years, my focus was on my brother and getting him resettled in whatever life was going to be for him next after that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then I can come back. Right. Then come back onto my own path and know, Oh yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed yeah. to be out speaking in the world and sharing joy and fulfillment and right. teaching people. How now, to some people that. might call that being derailed. I like to call that just changing a track for a while. It's just changing the direction for a while and you can bring yourself back on path. Yeah. So we say when you're following your passions, the mm -hmm. ups and downs of life fail to get you off track because I can always come back. What do you tell those that are naysayers? That's just a bunch of malarkey. That's foo-foo. That's bleh. What, what do you tell them? Because you can't tell anybody to do something. They're not going to do it. What, what's something you share with them to get people to, I'm going to use the term buy into it. I, that feels pushy. I don't get them to buy into it. I think that my demonstration of how I live my life mm -hmm. is, is the best thing to encourage them. Okay. You know, people tell me, they tell me I'm the energizer bunny. They tell me that I light up a room and that I'm uh, the happiest person they know. Right. Well, if you want that, then let me teach you why I, how I do that okay. by following my passions, you know? So my, it's just like a leadership, right? A leader emulates exactly what they want others to do. That's let's, why let's clarify leaders. that. 
A good leader does that. that, that that's great clarification. <laughs> yes, a good leader does that. You are absolutely right, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and anyone can be a leader. It's not entitled. Right. right. Anyone can be a leader. So it's and, and doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's a leader is not always the person who's in charge of the team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's where that comes up. So that that brings us into one of my favorite words, culture. When we've got a great leader who is embodying the philosophies and then he or she is doing that with their team, whether it's a work team, a not-for-profit team, a church team, a synagogue team, it doesn't matter. When they're doing that for whatever their team is, could even be a little league team, okay? When they do that, it's powerful. And that starts to create the culture. Am I on the target there of what you're thinking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, culture is the foundation of any organization. Mm-hmm. And, and leaders need to set the example of the culture they want that to have. And that will engage their team and bring them on board. Okay. So, we, so this is how we create culture using the tools of the passion test is we find and identify the passions for the owner why did they create that organization? What are their vision for it in the future? And what we call your top five passions. And in businesses, sometimes they might have six or seven. I don't like to go more than that because these passions ought to be memorized by everyone in the organization. There's but the part of it. Memorized and acted on on a regular basis. It's how you implement and live them. So mm-hmm. that is my comparison is that historically in business schools, they taught you as you write your business plan to create your core values, your mission, vision, right? Values, et cetera. But what people did is they wrote the business plan and they often stuck it in the drawer and never looked at it again, Right. Well, the reality is when we identify and create this work, so I call my work creating an inspired strategic plan mm-hmm. because you're inspired by your passions. Yeah. So, I took a, um, a client's one day, I took their, uh, their core values and I can't remember what, what I had, but I put it up on the screen. I said, where did this come from? And it was a one sentence statement and about teamwork and that direction. And people in the room are going, Oh, that's a quote from so-and-so that's from this place. That's from that. Nobody knew that it was right out of their own operational manual from their, uh, the hospital that they worked in. Oh, so true. Right. Right. So So it's gotta be something that's enacted on. Yeah. So what we do is we create those first with the owner management leadership board of directors, whoever it is that identifies those passions or core values. I don't care which one you call them. And then we write a 10-year vision of where we're taking this organization. What is the big dream of where you want this business, this organization to be down the road? And when owners, leaders create that and share that vision with their team, that's when we start to get buy-in from the team. Now, oftentimes what I see happens first is the team goes, well, yeah, that would be great, but that's not who we are today. I say this is your aspiration of who you want to be. And if we live by these values and everything we do, we can achieve that. And oh, by the way, let's identify your personal core passions or values. And we take the team through the same work the owners or leaders went through and help them to identify their own passion for their work. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, now that you know your five passions for your work, 
How does that align with your company's five? And if it doesn't, then they may realize, hey, I may not be right for this company. Exactly. It doesn't they, mean that they're not a good person. Correct. It means that they may not be suited for this. They may so the, fit better somewhere else. Right. That, that oh. goes back to um, uh, the good to great book. Get the right people on the bus, get them in the right seats. Exactly what I was going to say, right? Yeah. And it's about helping. So that's my big, hairy, audacious goal, taking this work into businesses is to help people get in the right seat on the bus mm-hmm. in where yeah. they're working, what they're doing. And what happens, Greg, is those people that find they're not in the right place, they opt out. But they opt out and they leave on good terms. Yes. So rather than leaving, whether they left on their own or got fired or what have you, the traditional way, oftentimes, what does that employee do? They go out and they tell the rest of the world how bad that company is. That is poor word of mouth marketing. Mm -hmm. So if we find that person in our company who's in the wrong place... And so in my company, they're they're in the wrong place. But hey, my friend Greg has just the kind of thing you're passionate about. Let mm-hmm. me see if Greg needs any help. Now, I refer good people to you that are passionate about the work that you do. You know what I mean? And we can help each other build exactly. the right teams. Now, and again, I know this is going to vary for every organization, every team, every group that you work with. So I'm going to ask the question kind of like this. Can you sit down and do that in an afternoon training session? So the afternoon training session is bringing the employees into the philosophy that we're going to live by. But, but can they, can, can you get all the buy-in and everything you need in one day? No, that, I, it's that. a journey. It's a it's journey. A journey. And that's where organizations need to understand. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. So the work I do helps them to implement a strategic plan of how we're going to align everything we do with our five passions, values. We've shown the team how they fit. If they fit and they're in the right place, they are now more engaged in creating the vision of the Mm -hmm. whole organization because they see that it is part of their desire to make a similar contribution in the world. And now I'm on board with the organization. So it opens up this amazing communication in an organization and lays the foundation for great communication based on our core values and how we hold each other accountable. Now we can say, hey, everybody agreed these are the five things we want to live by, right? Right. Joey, you're not doing it. Oh, you're right. I'm not. That was totally out of line. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not your fault. This person's fault. No, it's are we living this in the action we took there? Yeah, not so much. So we can fix it. And that's the key thing. What we're talking about here in 30, 40 minutes cannot be achieved in 30, 40 minutes or a day or even two days. It is a long journey. And you will find times of derailment having to come back. I I liken it to if we watch a crime drama on television, they are somehow miraculously able to solve this mysterious crime in an hour. (laughs) How'd you know I'm addicted to those shows? (laughs) (laughs) So what we've got to recognize is everybody has to recognize that it is a journey. It is ongoing and it's going to take time. 
Yes. So, so and it, some companies can get there more quickly. Some will take a little longer. Larger companies may get there more quickly. Larger companies may not get there as quickly. So it, it's just a journey that you take people on through the passion, tying it into the strength finders, tying this all together in one one. I won't say one because that's not the right way to phrase it, but you're tying it all together so they can have it together so that the whole organization and individuals in the organization can grow. Am I on the right path? You're absolutely on the right track and it's and help them to implement it in their everyday practice. The same is true with the passion test personally. If you as an individual want to adopt it, I'm going to teach you tools and tips and tricks to make sure you stay on track with it. Mm -hmm. implementation is key. I don't know if there's other personal development junkies out there besides me, personal and professional development junkies, right? But I would go to all those seminars and then come home and go right back to doing what I was doing before. Implementation is the key. One of my favorite quotes. Yeah, go ahead. One of my favorite quotes is knowledge is not power without application. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. So we've got to be able to apply. Now, implementation has to be done in a structured manner. You just can't come back from one of these seminars and try to implement everything at one time. What do you recommend as a first step on a long journey for an organization to do? identify their passions or core values, whichever you want to call it. Okay. That's the foundation. That's the foundation of everything because it sets the stage for every decision we make after that. So that's going to tie it together for a team. Correct. We have to have a leader to be able to lead the team. Yes. And that kind of creates a culture. Am I on the right path here? That. The values by which we agree that we're all going to live create that culture. Exactly. Implementing them, the leaders making sure that those are implemented and utilized and talked about on a regular basis helps to create that culture. Culture is created over time, but it's still the foundation. And every organization has a culture. It may not be the one you want right now. That's right. That's right. That's right. And if it isn't, if it isn't, give me a call because that's the way I can come in and help and shift and my process starts at a minimum of six months and I have a company I've been working with right now for six years. So let's talk, you know, so that's how the longevity can be. So we establish the foundations in the first year, but we keep implementing them and keep them on track. I am there constantly and we reevaluate their plan every single year based on those core values. Are we living it? Are we doing it? Where do we need to improve? What needs to get better to be even higher at this level? You know, take it to the next level. And so we create what we call a cultural action plan. All right. All right. So that brings me to the question. Teamwork, leadership, culture. It's exactly what we're about on the podcast here at the Teamwork Advantage. TLC. Teamwork, leadership, culture. Which is the most important? (laughs) they're so tight together that's hard because my answer to that question is yes (laughs) the leadership team has to implement the culture set the example you have to know what that culture is before they can do that and then guide the team and the teamwork gets stronger with the culture 
It's a Venn diagram. There you go. Great answer. I'll remember that next time. <laughs> it's, it's so powerful when we start to think about this. And realistically, Luann, this is nothing new. In reality, it's not new. Nope. Um, Dr. Stephen Covey talked about a lot of this in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that was out, oh, 40 years ago now, almost. Okay. Yeah. And his habit number one, of course, is being proactive, but he talks about the emotional bank accounts, how we have to deposit, make deposits to everybody's emotional bank account to be able to get them to go. We got to lead from the heart, whether it's a personal basis or a foundational basis or a corporate basis. It's, it's about how you do it. And what I see in you is your strength, your ability to bring things to the table. Okay. That, that's what's kind of cool. Now, there's a book that you're reading now that I think sums a lot of this up. We were talking about it earlier. And um, a lot of leaders, when they get promoted into a leadership position, they, they, they show up and they have this really nasty three-letter word around them. They don't think they do, but they have it around them. And it's called ego. Yep. So you want to hold up the book that you're reading right now and tell us a little bit about that book. And it's not, this is not your book, right? It's not my book. It's one I'm reading. Um, okay. I have a tendency to be in little book reading clubs with fellow business colleagues to okay. make sure we're staying sharp. So this was one that was chosen recently, No Ego by Cy Wakeman. Okay. So let's, let's, for the listeners that are not watching this right now, it's called No Ego by Cy, that's C-Y like Cy Young, Cy Wakeman, W-A-K-E-M-A-N. And she talks about reality-based leadership is what she calls it. Okay. And that, and one of the things we talk about is when you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. So <laughs> to bring people back into the reality of what the situation is and ownership for the situation, accountability right back, like leaders don't have to have all the answers, right? And where right. are you as employee, as a part of the solution? And part, one of her, one of my best uh, statistics from this book is that Sai says that every employee on average spends two and a half hours a day in emotional waste, otherwise known as bitching, moaning, and whining. She summarizes that as the BMW. They're getting in their BMW. <laughs> I was just doing the letters right there and came up with it as you said it. <laughs> you know, and so for, for leaders who want a positive, enjoyable work environment where their team's engaged in the, in the vision of the company and being a part of it, this work is crucial. Creating culture is crucial. Leaders too today, I think, uh, Greg, um, have to be aware that they have to open up and be vulnerable and open with people and transparent. No longer is the days where you can just tell somebody what to do because I said so, because I'm your boss. That's right. not the way it works anymore. Right. And that, that's something, and this comes up, what you just brought up comes up in almost every episode of the Teamwork Advantage. <laughs> and that is leaders team members, everybody has to be vulnerable because that builds a better level of trust, vulnerability yeah. trust. Absolutely. Luann, we could go on for another hour. I just looked at the clock. I was like, wow. <laughs> um, this is fascinating. If you guys have enjoyed this as much as I have, please make sure you like, subscribe to the Teamwork Advantage. 
Luann's uh, contact information. You'll be able to reach her very easily. Just go back into your show notes. You'll be able to find everything about Luann. And we'll put a couple of other things in there for you uh, as well. Luann, can yeah, we uh, get you back on here sometime down the road? I would love to get back on here in the future. I'm working on my next book, Seven Tips to Creating uh, Joy in the Workplace, How to Encage Your Team and Create Culture. Awesome. All right. So we'll get that out and then I'll come back and share with you more about that. Would love I, would love it. Your, I would also love to offer your um, listeners a chance to visit with me, a complimentary session to visit okay. with me about what's going on in their business okay. and their leaders if they'd love to. And I'll give you a link that you can post when you post this and uh, they can just click on my calendar or book a time to visit. All with right. you. So make sure you go back. And check out the show notes to get this link to go book a 30, about a 30 minute session, I assume. Absolutely. Book a 30 minute session with Luann Beekler. Luann, thanks once again for being a guest on the Teamwork Advantage. It's through people like you and guests that we have on here that are helping leaders lead, team members become better team members, and organizations create the culture they want to work with. You know, once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, we share skills and ideas that you can act on immediately. And Luann has definitely done that with us today. Until next week, remember, having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the teamwork advantage, you're not average. So go make today excellent and exceptional. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.